Now, what, the, what motivated us to uh, make such a crazy decision in some ways to uh, break with our old life and uh, turn completely to God? And it's all explained by simply how much God loves us, and that will resonate through with our, our service as well. Can we get the next slide, Curtis? Thanks. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, another kingdom of heaven is like parable. And uh, it's interesting because... There's ten kingdom of heaven is like parables in the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew is a really intriguing book. It's, uh, uh, it's been very exciting for me personally just to spend more time studying through it in recent years. And uh, I know 26 sermons from the Sermon of the, on the Mount a few years ago was maybe a bit much. Uh, I was enjoying myself. Hopefully you guys got something out of it as well. But if we go to the next uh, slide... I just want to show you something, remind you something that we talked about three years ago about Matthew. Matthew is a highly structured gospel. And so what you have is these purple and then red sections. The purple is sort of story, and then the red is dedicated teaching section. And then the next purple is story, then a red section, then purple, then red, etc., and there's actually five red sections. And if you were to put this out in a line, the, the Gospel of Matthew is completely balanced in these sections. It's really interesting. It's a Jewish form of teaching. where they, It's called a midrash, where they take a scripture from the Old Testament. And so it simply it would be the reading of a passage. And then the next section would be the rabbi sharing his thoughts about it. So what Matthew did, being a gospel written for a Jewish audience, he used the story of Jesus and then the teaching of Jesus. So he actually treated the life of Jesus like it was the very Word of God himself. Now he didn't say it the way John did, but that was his point. And so what's really interesting is just to see even how these sections relate. And if you look at the beginning, uh, it's kind of clipped a little bit, but where it says the number eight over there, you can see there's a blue circle. After every one of the teaching sessions, it says after Jesus had finished either teaching or preaching or speaking. It's a phrase, after Jesus had finished doing something, and it marks the end of all the teaching uh, sections. So that's very interesting, just how it shows us the structure. But also one of the structures we talked about is that there's a thing called a a chiasm, where it's like a... uh, a, uh, we would call it a letter V on its side like this, and it's going towards the center. In other words, a main point is in the center. And so in the Gospel of Matthew, the center teaching is actually chapter 13, one that we've just studied through. And chapter 13 is all the kingdom parables. There's six kingdom parables, and it begins with a seventh parable, the parable of the sower, which is basically a parable about parables. So you can see how Jewish this whole thing is, because the very center of the Gospel of Matthew is the message of the kingdom, of the king reigning in our hearts. You know, God is the king of the universe, whether we want him to or not. Uh, we, We don't have to elect God. You know, sometimes we use a phrase, I know we mean it in in a, in a little bit different way, but we say to someone, make Jesus Lord of your life. You can't make Jesus Lord. God did that. And when he made Jesus Lord, no one else can change it. So he's permanently established as the Lord of everyone, whether they accept that or not. So I, I just like to, to think about it this way. God has done something that cannot be changed. 
So chapter 13 is at the center, and it's where, it, where we begin talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like. Let's go to the next slide. So we talked a little bit about this, a chiasm, where you've got point A, B, C leading to D, and sometimes there is no point D, and then it goes back again, sort of C prime, B prime, A prime, and there's a relationship. Here's an example. I don't know if I pointed this one out or not, but in the last parable of chapter 13, it says the net is cast, the fish are gathered, then the good fish are gathered, and the bad fish are cast away. It's actually the same words in the Greek. That's a chiasm right there. And it was, it's, it's, one, it makes it easy to remember, but it shows a point. The net's cast, the fish are gathered, but then the good are gathered in and the bad ones are cast away. I could go to the next slide. Well, we just looked, what's interesting, there's ten kingdom parables, and then as Matthew would do even with the Beatitudes, he actually gave eight Beatitudes, and then he, he repeated the, the eighth one and made a ninth one. Because in Matthew, in uh, sorry, the Sermon on the Mount, everything's going in groups of threes. So he made the eighth one into a ninth one, and, and we talked about that way back when. But what you have right here, we have six parables in Matthew 13, all talking about the kingdom of heaven is like, and... We talked first about the wheat and the weeds and the good and bad fish. What those two have in common is final judgment. Now, the wheat and the weeds talk about God's intention, about going out and and sowing seed and, and wanting a harvest. The good and bad fish doesn't get into any of those details. It's very short. It's really just about the judgment. But we see God has a plan and a final judgment. They complement each other. And to make that even clearer by Matthew, the last sentence in the explanation of the first, that first parable and the, la, and the sorry, last sentence of the final one are exactly the same. The angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that is an inclusio, which means the beginning and the end have a similarity. And then sometimes in an inclusio, there's going to be a, a chiasm as well. Well, we talked, the second sermon, we talked about the pearl and the treasure. And what's so clear about the pearl and the treasure is God's action and then the human action. What's strange as we read them is that God's action, we read the, uh, come second. In other words, we read about the treasure first and then God's action second. But we know even from what Derek just shared, that's not how it works. God is the one that takes first action. But see, the way, the reason the story goes like this is because it's a chiasm and in fact, in the right order of reading it, um, the action's going this way. There's a plan, there's God's action, and there's a human action. And see, this is what the gospel preaching is all about. We must make a decision. And even as Christians, we must make a decision each day. Staying in the kingdom, like sometimes we think of the kingdom, it's like we got our own driver's license, now we can do whatever we want to. But we're in the kingdom, which means we are proclaiming Jesus is our king. If we're Jesus is our king, we're not proclaiming I do what I want to because Jesus is my king. I'm proclaiming I do what Jesus wants me to because Jesus is my king. And so what's very interesting is these six parables in Matthew end up becoming the outline of the next four parables. The next four parables have this same story. God setting things up, God taking some action, the human response, accountability to God, and then final judgment. It happens in all the kingdom parables. And so Matthew 13 actually sets the structure for how to understand the parables that will come. So let's go to the next slide. 
Let's just read together Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, I'm sure that Peter thought he was being generous. That Peter thought, man, like seven times. I mean, that's a, that's a good full number. Seven times. Is that enough? And Jesus answers him and says, and it's interesting, it's hard to translate this number. It could be um, 77 times, but it also could be 70 times 7. That's 490 times. Now, if you're like me, you'd, you'd lose track by then. It would be kind of ridiculous trying to keep up with 490 times, right? But, but even seven, 70 times or 77 times, that... that That is, the point is, don't stop. The point is, keep forgiving. You know, what we've talked about is the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, it's it's best understood as God's reign in our hearts. And so what is it like for God to reign in our hearts? How does that transform us? What does that make us into? And it's so interesting because that's what these remaining parables about the kingdom are about. So we'll pick this up then in verse uh, 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents. Okay, and if you, you know, look at your footnote, that's millions of dollars. Okay, 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the ma- master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. As simple as that. Amazing. Calls him into account. You owe me millions of dollars. The guy basically just says, have patience with me. I'll pay back everything. And the master goes, I'll forgive you. Wow. Wow. What happens? It says, well, he goes out, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And uh, that is a few dollars. So he, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You know, we we see here some very interesting details. The first servant, he simply asked for the king's patience. Be patient with me. I mean, he was probably filled with fear even as he asked that. But he just said, be patient with me. And he got such a magnanimous answer back. 
to have his debt canceled completely. But look at some other details here. Uh, it says, you know, the, the, our, the forgiveness isn't just something that's ours to use how we want to. You know, there's a false teaching out there that's called once saved, always saved. In other words, I'm saved now and nothing can change that. Well, we're going to see from actually every kingdom parable for the rest of Matthew, that's not the message. The message is the proof of being in the kingdom is living in the kingdom. The proof of the kingdom, God reigning in your heart, is your life. Now, your life isn't what saves you, but your life shows where you're at. Whether you're in the kingdom or not. God, we already made that very clear from the first uh, six parables we looked at. That God paid the price for the pearl of great price. All we could do with everything we have is buy a field. But that entitled us because God set it up that way so that we could be saved. And so it's interesting that this parable is trying to teach us something about how we should be changed. It's one thing to claim to be forgiven. It's another thing to forgive. It's another thing to claim God's grace. It's another thing to be gracious. And see, it's a challenge. It's much more challenging to put grace into action than receive it. It's much more challenging to imitate our Heavenly Father than it is simply to take the blessing He wants to give us and use it then for our own purposes. We're going to watch a little video that was made a few years ago. Scott, could you turn the lights down? Oh, two Scots. Thank you.
Bernie? We just found this piece of corduroy stuck in your gate out back. Does Stan Ellis own a corduroy jacket? What are you trying to say, Riley? Hey, Riley, take a look at this. What you got there, Billy? Give my jacket. Wait here. Just call. I came as fast as I could. I said a semi trying to get here. I'm fine. Why'd they have to trash the bar? Why not just take the money and get out? Probably kids, you know. Caroline. RJ. Hey, RJ. They think Stan did this. There's no way that sweet man did this. Stan? Bernie! Bernie! What's going on, Riley? Bernie, they're trying to say I did this. These your keys, son? Hey, those are my keys. What were they doing outside? Those are my keys. It's okay. Answer the man. Let's go for a ride, Stan. Bernie, what do they want? They're trying to say I did this. I didn't do this. When you get out, we'll talk about that money you owe me. Believe Stan did this. Stan, honey, don't you worry about a thing. I didn't do it, RJ. I know. I know, ma'am. Caroline, I told you to wait in the truck. Excuse me, Mike. Bernie, you all right? Give us a minute, RJ. She don't listen to me. What? When we moved here from New York, after your mother died, and I bought this place, I figured I'd done everything there was for me to do. But we found Stan living here. He's been like another son to me. Stan don't know nothing about stealing. It ain't in him. And retards need money. Shoot, he owes me 200 bucks. Stan don't need nothing, never has. Mike, is there something you want to tell me? What, no. You, look, I don't know how you feel about Stan and all, but I, we all got our dark side. I gotta go. Carolyn's waiting. That loan, the 95 grand, it's due. I know, Dad, but you said I had this month is what I said. You had two years to get it together. I even showed you how to do it. And I know, but I don't... In full, now. 
that. I don't walk around with that kind of money. So I got to go to the bank and talk to them and see what they got to no, say. No, no, I'll go to the bank for you. And clutch your house and your truck. My rights as co-signer. What for? I'm not the one who stabbed you in the back. No! Dad, I'm your son. You throw me to the street. I'm on my last leg here with Caroline. Little Ricky's getting beat up every day after school. I got bills back to the last Christmas. I'm begging you here, Dad. Couldn't you just get rid of some of your real estate or something? Forget it, son. Dad, I'm begging you here. I don't know what you want. You want me to get down on my knees here? I mean, forget about the money. Just forget about it. I said, I'm sorry. I don't know what you want from me. I forgive you. Forget about it for good. Just go home. Dad, look, I can't forget about it, okay? I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to pay you back every red cent. I promise. It ain't about the money. I don't need it. You don't think I can do it? I'll get you back your money, okay? You'll see. I promise, plus interest. You'll see. Spend some of that money on a new shirt. Bernie, I'll get a couple guys down here. Fix that paneling. There's no other real permanent damage. You still going to the police? I don't know. This marriage is a mess. He's got loan sharks after him. Our grandson just turned six. I don't want to send him to jail, but I'm running out of options. Well, I think you've done the right thing for now. I mean, we forgive because we've been forgiven. Unless he confesses to me, I gotta call the cops. Give me a couple days. How are you guys doing? You want a soda pop? Sure. I'll get it for you. I was in jail this morning. For what? You want to see my tattoo? Take it back. You want to call this for me? Wow. It's a cowboy and a horse. You okay? Mind your business, RJ. We need to talk. Won't take too long. Dan owes me money, okay? He ain't going nowhere. Don't turn me down, Mike. I'm right here. The way I see it, you got two choices. You can walk out that door, same man you are right now, or you can let me say my piece, and I can show you how to change it all. Come on, church boy. I'm a disciple, a Christian. This is what I live by. I don't need no book, okay? I got my own rules. They do fine by me. Yeah, I can tell. So can your wife, your dad, and Ricky. Now what do you know? I know because I've been you. I've been right where you are now. 
Always riding the fence, never making a commitment to nothing or nobody. And lying, trying to clean up one lie after another. house, okay? Caroline, Caroline! Leave her alone! Shut up, Ricky! Straight to the point, Mikey. You got my 5300? Yes, sir, Mr. Potter, plus interest. Let me guess. It's not here. Sir, I just have it at my house, sir. Can your old man teach you not to gamble? And shiny and their hot breath he could feel A bolt of fear went through him as they thundered through the sky For he saw the riders coming hard And he heard the mournful cry Get out! 
you shut up, Stan. Destroyed my bar. You owed me 95 grand. You lied to me and stole. But I forgave it all. Wiped the debt. Then you turn around and assault Stan for a lousy 200 bucks. You owed me! You owed me! But I let it go. Why couldn't you? Now your wife's left you. She took my only grandchild. Michael Burgess, you're under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. Refuse any questions to ask. You have the right to Mike. You okay? Okay. Okay, show me what it says. Okay, I want you to take a look here at Act 1724, right here. So do you realize what your dad did for you? Are you beginning to understand what it means to be forgiven? Look, Mike, if there's something you ought to tell him, tell him. It's really bad. What if I were to tell you there ain't nothing you can say that you don't already know? Mike. Cal, what are you doing here? I came to say goodbye to you. Because Ricky and I are going to stay at my mom's for a while. I think that's the best thing for us right now. Should we talk about No. This? We can't. Sorry, Archie. Ricky is waiting for me in the car. I'll get him. Carol, I don't know what to say. No, there's nothing left to say. No. Have you been reading the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, we were looking at these different things about different, different. It ain't that bad, kid. I mean, your daddy's rough and tough on the outside, like me, but on the inside, he loves you. They're fighting, aren't they? Shoot. They're in there doing the two-step. You know how to two-step? Nope. Well, I guess that's all right. Never look more 
I'll tell you, Ricky. You're smart. <coughs> hey, RJ. Hey. hey, Ricky. You all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to be home. See you later, Ricky. Hey, Stan. Listen, about that money you owe me? Yeah, Mike. Forget about it. Uh, why? Never mind, just, just get it, it's okay. <laughs> you okay now? Yeah, I'm okay. I don't have to pay. You wanna see my tattoo? Got something for me? Let's uh, let's talk about this outside. Okay? Now we're through talking. My 5300 array takes it out of you right here. Leave him alone. Ca Caroline, stay out of this. Whatever it is, my son owes you. It will be paid. But you come into my establishment threatening me and what's mine, I'll stomp you into the ground. This is over. stood up for me like that before. Sure they have. You just never noticed. Aren't you? How do I get things right? it goes without saying that I'm going to protect you no matter what. I love you, son. It's always been easier for me to show you anger than love. Will you forgive me? Say, I don't know how to say him. Break in. Wasn't Stan. It was me.
I knew it all along. Tell police? Yes. But I told them not to press any charges. What can I do to you that you haven't done to yourself already? Mike. Forget it, it's over. I forgive you. RJ, he's taught me a lot. I forgive you. Your death, the lies, the stealing, everything gone. You slayed, son. You slayed. If the next slide's not coming up, just go ahead and look at your notes, because we're just going to finish quickly. Um, you know, I think uh, ho- only Hollywood could take the, the story of the unmerciful servant and give it a happy ending. But actually, in the context of the gospel of Matthew, this is the, the ending God desires. It really is the whole message, that we have a God who is incredibly willing to forgive us. But there is an answer to be in his kingdom isn't something we possess, we become his possession. And it's not, it's not that we, he does what, what uh, we want him to, it's in fact that we conform to him. So it's, uh, he's already done more than we could have asked or imagined. He has given us salvation and through the sacrifice of Jesus, forgiveness. You know, just a couple of scriptures here. This, uh, the connection between our willingness to forgive and the receiving of God's forgiveness This isn't just an equation or some plan of salvation. In other words, because I'm a forgiving person, God's going to forgive me. 
That's not the intention of the passages in Matthew. The intention of the passages in Matthew is to say, if you truly understand God's forgiveness and the treasure that it is, you will pass it on. You will give generously to those. So uh, it was said in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And then in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus asks, uh, teaches us to ask for forgiveness, but in a very uh, challenging way. He says in verse 12, Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Wow. I mean, I'd just like to say forgive my debts, not forgive me as I have forgiven others. And yet that's what Jesus taught us to pray. And he went on to explain it. The only commentary we have uh, that Jesus made about the Lord's Prayer, it says, For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. And again, this isn't saying that this is the way to be saved. It's saying this is the evidence of being saved. The evidence of being saved is the overflow of God's grace into the lives of others around you. And uh, then just looking down at uh, the last scripture, go to the next slide. Oh, actually, uh, Matthew 7, again, Sermon on the Mount. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, how much mercy do you want from God? Is this the good measure? Yeah? Well, then that's the kind of mercy we need to show. As we judge, so we will be judged. And then just closing in Ephesians 4.32, says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. See, the kingdom isn't just a place, it is a relationship. It's a state of heart before God. And if God is king in our lives, our lives change. In fact, if God is king in our lives, we change. It transforms us. So there's a connection between our willingness to forgive and the genuine reception of God's forgiveness. It's a proof. Our willingness to be forgiving and gracious show what we understand of God's willingness and his graciousness. But Jesus said it very clearly, if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you. Uh, We need to think about this very seriously because it's so easy to have reservations, to hold little things against people, to take something. You know, Jesus said, if you come to the altar and, and you're ready to offer your gift, but you remember that someone has something against you, go to them and make it right with them first. These are the teachings of Jesus because this is a kingdom of grace. And it begins with God and it flows through us. So like we saw in the chiasm, we saw that you know God has a plan and God makes the move. But actually there's a decision that each one of us must make each day to live in that kingdom. Let's bow and pray as the worship team takes their place. Our Father and God, we are grateful for the happy ending that the gospel promises. And Father, we are amazed by your love for us and just how willing you are to forgive us, Father. It's amazing. And Father, thank you for the example of Jesus. There's just so much to be grateful for. 
Thank you that he understands our weakness. Thank you that he knows what it's like to live in human flesh. Thank you that he understands the things that challenge us and he he understands temptation. But Father, we just are amazed by the fact that he always remained pure, that he never gave in. He was tempted in every way just as, as we are, but never sinned. And Father, we thank you because that perfection is what saves us. That perfection is what you have offered in our stead. And we just say thank you for what you have done for us. Father, we are grateful for uh, just this time where we could gather and break bread together and drink the cup together. Father, we are thankful that we have this amazing message. And I just pray that this message will motivate us as we go out through the week. One, to be forgiving, but two, also to be joyful and considerate and to really just think about how incredible it is to know the truth about why Jesus came. Father, thank you for the eternal inheritance you've promised each one of us. I pray that we can remain faithful with you to you to the very end. And Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.